jocks in the pool That is not cool, I need the tools Take me to school, feet first Into this league, me first That cannot be, under the underdog Monica G Feeling a whole lot better suddenly I get in with it, win it again You're one and two in the bag and I'm going for three That is the beat down, got her the best So I keep now, y'all tread in water for weeks Now, now I'm the shark so I eat Now, look, I am not sorry I understood the pun from which I started And never getting these drafts is cathartic, so Dynasty underdog bite down up at the day and the night now easy as flying a kite now come take a look at it right now Dynasty underdog bite down up at the day and the night now easy as flying a kite now come take a look at it right now Everyone, welcome to episode 61 of Dynasty Underdog. I'm your host, Uriah Dawkins. Joining me today is Billy Beeman. Josh Goldberg cannot be with us again tonight, but we got a good one for you. It's been a crazy, crazy four weeks, right, man? Yes. Uh, how are you doing so far? Mixed bag or? <laughs> yeah, in, it, it is definitely a mixed bag. I have one league. I'm, I have like that the salary cap league I talk about sometimes dominating in that. Honestly, I have most points on top of the league. I think I'm four and one or three and one rather. And a couple other ones are too. So I'm doing great there, but I just lost Dave Montgomery, which we'll get into in a minute. That's That's definitely sad. But in Dynasty Underdog League, I just took my first loss to at FF down under Lewis Glover had a down week there. Yeah, seriously had a down week (laughs) there, but it, you know, my team is pretty good. So I'm confident in that console wars, man, I don't know. It's, it's rough. I'm, I I was like moments away from selling Devontae Adams, completely blowing everything up and going for next year. I'm, I'm kind of ready to do it. So I don't know. It's a mixed bag, man. How about you? Yeah, pretty much the same. Took my first loss in the listener league. I just had a bad week straight up. Uh, at least it wasn't like a startup to sit or start sit decision, which is usually my downfall. Uh, I still had a pretty decent lineup. The guys who went off on my bench, like they probably shouldn't have. So I felt good with who I was actually starting this time, but it took a little L. Um, Scott Fishbowl took my a one again, four and oh in Scott Fishbowl. Not bad. Dude, that's awesome. You're right. I saw you were still in the top, top eight. I think you're number yeah, 28. 28 now. So I dropped a few spots, but I had a pretty bad showing. So I had a really bad week in Scott Fishbowl, man. Ugh. Yeah. Kirk Cousins got me like 0.14. <laughs> Damn, that is, bro, his league is crazy with the QB scoring. <laughs> yeah, it's all the uh, incompletions, which you know, normally is really good, but they're playing from behind and he was just trying to do anything. And he just, that uh, Cleveland defense was just all on his ass. So mm-hmm. I'll, I'll bounce back next week. I'm still doing good though. Yeah. Console Wars, I don't really know what's going on. I think I'm two and two. I'm, I'm like, you know, I'm right there. It's like either I need to make a move um, or just kind of try for next year. I don't know, man. Like the thing is I picked up Travis Kelsey. So I'm like, ah, I'm thinking about trying to do a lateral move where I could get rid of Kelsey to somebody, get back a tight end and like something else to help me out. I don't know. I don't know. I'm trying to figure it out. Okay. Yeah, that's interesting. I, I definitely dig that thought process. Uh, your team's pretty good in there. I know you were trying to make a move possibly today for judy as well you and i were kind of battling for uh for for a trade negotiation and both of ours fell through i think i don't know about you but i definitely was asking for too much yeah i mean i kind of lowballed them but i won't lie (laughs) but yeah so we were like you know maybe a conversation or something but yeah no he just rejected it but i'm gonna keep trying until he's sold so i would love to get judy on this team yeah yeah absolutely absolutely but yeah it's uh it's crazy man both of us took our first loss in the listener league and Julio, Julio is coming at our ass. I know he's talking so much shit. <laughs> Give him a follow because he does some great work. If you speak Spanish or anything like that, he does a lot of 
good threads all in Spanish, but Twitter has a easy translate button. Yep. So I, I check him out all the time. He's really, really smart. I think he writes for you guys, right? DFF. Yeah. He writes for dynasty football factory. It's at Mr. Martinez nine on Twitter, Julio Martinez. He's from Mexico, I believe. And he's awesome. Like he has such a good perspective on the game and over there, like they don't have that many people producing this kind of content. So he's definitely at the forefront of it in Mexico. And, and yeah, and like he, and I know that our podcast was like one of the first uh, ones he listened to and that got him into it. So, I mean, you know, he's, he's definitely a great resource on Twitter. So go and follow Julio. All right. Let's hop into some news. So the first thing that stood out to me, cause I'm a Cowboys fan and I've been standing for this guy all off season, Zeke on the year so far, he's running back six. And I know that doesn't seem like the craziest thing in the world, but people were like completely out on him. Like no way you could draft him in the first round or redraft or, you know, he, he's washed up. Pollard's better. All these other things. He barely got used at all week one because we're going up against that stout Tampa Bay rush defense. But over the last three weeks, he's just kind of propelled himself. He looks quick. He looks great. And yeah, he's RB6 on the year. If you're looking for a running back, I think he's probably still get below the value of like a fantasy point output that he's going to give you. I think he's a perfect target to go out and try to get because people are probably still out on him. Yeah, and it's kind of crazy. We were just talking about this before we got on. His opportunity share, if you're looking at it, there's, I mean, you can look at a, a ton of different metrics, but we can look at the weighted opportunity share. And we were just talking about what, what the hell that is. Uh, and it, <laughs> it, I mean, let's, let's not lie about it, right? Like yeah. every once in a while, you got to go and look at the definitions of these things. You can't always keep them locked in the back of your head, but this is a Scott Barrett one from PFF. So, I mean, you know, take it with a grain of salt because we know how PFF goes. But mm-hmm. uh, this metric calibrates total opportunities by discounting carries enhanced, and enhancing the value of targets based on the average fantasy points generated by each type of touch. So it's really trying to be a little bit more descriptive with the opportunities and, and I guess be a little bit more accurate with it. So just really quick showing that Ezekiel Elliott has a 49.8% opportunity share, obviously the highest uh, you know from the running back position there on the team. But right next to him is Tony Pollard with a 342 percent uh so it's not far behind and i guess my point in this is that zeke is up here at running back six we saw you know with the lack of touches in week one and two and and he's still doing it even with this you know uh, i'd say fairly low opportunity share so i think it's pretty impressive he's doing that and and like you're saying he he just had a huge game but i think people are still kind of out on him may have thought that was like a circumstantial thing. They still think Pollard's the better back. And, and maybe this is another time where you can buy at cost and, and not really buy low, buy high, but you're getting a guy, you know, you know what you're getting out of him and somebody's not shaking you down for it. I say, and yeah, he just looks good too. So yeah, absolutely. Yes, yeah. he does look very good. That, that would he have a 50 yard run in that game? He did. I think it was like 49 or something like that. I mean, and he was what, four yards away from scoring, but I mean, he's, he's slower. He's going to get caught by these defensive backs now. Yeah. But. Yeah. He, he was definitely like the, running he out of gas. It. He was, running, <laughs> he, he was running out of gas. He was chugging. It was, it was, I think I can, I think I can. And yeah. I, I couldn't, I couldn't, but, uh, but it was, it was still impressive though, watching him kind of get out there get how he got kind of through the line. And, and he's, you know, he's got great vision and he's great laterally. So He's still an awesome back. And, and honestly, he, again, like you said, he was, you know, a couple inches from another touchdown there and probably could have had a, you know, another one in that game too. So he's looking great. And for what it's worth, if he's splitting with Tony Pollard, he's still not splitting the, uh, the money carries there at the goal line. You know, that that's, that's all him. So, all right, next one, let's check in on Chase Edmonds and Connor. One thing I would like to point out about Chase Edmonds is that right now on the season, he has the highest 
yards divided by touchdowns, so like a touchdown rate, 395 yards, but he has zero touchdowns. Chase Edmonds. <laughs> Isn't that kind of crazy? It, it is. And and a lot of it comes from the fact they don't they don't use him at the goal line that much, right? Yeah. He has he has one goal line attempt to James Conner's four goal line attempts. So it, you know, and and <laughs> that that goal line attempt may have been circumstantial where, and I think I actually remember it this past week where it was they were just trying to do you know run a hurry up offense and, and catch the defense on their heels and Chase Edmonds just happened to be out there because they got there from like midfield so it, it wasn't a thing where they put Chase Edmonds in he was just there he was just there yeah it's something to keep an eye on I I, I as a Edmonds not not truther but you know a guy that I I feel like he's the one to own there every time they get in that. 20 yard line, you know, 20 yards to the goal. They're like, Oh, here comes in James Conner and James Conner smashes for two touchdowns last week. I'm like, son of a bitch, but <laughs> you know, well, he's done that twice now. If I, um, if I remember correctly, sorry, he had two touchdowns over the last two weeks. Yes. Those are the four touchdowns on the season he has. And he got 16 carries the first week, but over the last two weeks, he's gotten again, over 10 carries 11 and then 18 this past week. So they do feel comfortable using him. He's not the better back clearly. I mean, Chase Edmonds, if we're looking at his yards per carry, it's probably like through the roof compared. Yeah, well, in this last, past week they played the Rams. I think Chase Edmonds broke off like a 50-yarder. So Yeah, so he has 5.9 yards per carry compared to James Conner's 3.2 yards per carry. And that's just on – that's through four weeks. So, I mean, he's clearly the more efficient back, but they don't feel comfortable using him down in the red zone in, you know, the five-yard line. So it's, it's going to be a problem. I said this on Twitter. He is going to be a problem all year long. And we actually saw Chase Edmonds kind of go out of the game with a little shoulder injury and he came back in almost immediately after, almost immediately after, but I thought it was going to be really funny. Not if he got injured, but if he were to be, to be injured before James Conner, that would have been, <laughs> that would have been a little ironic, right? Oh man, that'd be so funny. <laughs> Given the conversation all year. Like... Oh, yeah, yeah. I didn't think about that. <laughs> so I thought that was kind of funny, but we're going to have this conversation for the next four weeks, dude. <laughs> yeah, we have to. Yeah. This is something that we're just going to talk about because it's interesting. All right, the next one is hilarious. We, I mean, I would say like we're the only ones that are saying this, but that Urban Meyer situation, we knew, we okay, we didn't know, but we thought, okay, this is has a lot of room for potential for disaster. And this guy, quote unquote, buddy needed a night out. <laughs> Dude, this uh, is like so apropos for Urban Meyer's coming from yeah. the, the university scene. And he looks like he's been, at a university for the last, you know, decade, two decades, whatever, yeah. 30 years, whatever it is. Cause he's out there and yeah, he's out there basically grinding or uh, having some young woman grind on him. And there, it definitely looked like he was uh, <laughs> pushing his luck there. I don't yeah, know. I think so too. <laughs> but uh, yeah, man, urban, what are you doing? My guy, come on. Like I, this was like when, uh, who was the uh, Redskins head coach back? John Gruden's brother. Gruden's brother, yeah. Oh man, yeah. remember seeing that video of him like smoking weed with that chick on the sidewalk? Like, it, it's so reminiscent of that, right? Like it is, but not good for the Jaguars. Not good for Urban. What we're hearing now, and I think that relates to fantasy at least. And from my opinion, maybe you weren't going here, but uh, I'll, I'll bring it back to Dynasty. Is that he? He's he, he's locked. He's lost the locker room. Is the word we we saw this? There, it, there's a tweet out there. Go ahead and look it up. It's very easy to find. I'm not going to read it, but essentially it was that, you know, word from inside the locker room is he's starting to lose it. So that's, you know, that can affect the way that this team plays. It's not exciting for the rest of the season. Yeah. I, I, I think rightfully, I, I have some respect for Khan and how he runs the situ- uh, organization. I think he cares about that team and even Jacksonville itself. 
I don't think that there's another mix up for Urban left. I think he will be gone. You think like, I'm surprised he's not gone now. It's, it's kind of disappointing that he's not gone. And I get that. Honestly, I mean, he, he could easily be fired for what he's what he's done there. They've been piss poor. And then he's out there like partying and, and doing, you know, some questionable things. Yeah, questionable things for sure. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, he, I, I guess you're right. One more one more misstep and it's over. And, and I, I think that could even mean something on the field. You know, if it's a terrible clock management that loses them a game over the mm-hmm. next couple of weeks, something like that. It's just he's got to be perfect going forward now. And yeah, I mean, maybe that'll in the end be a good thing for for Trevor Lawrence and, and those yeah. guys. But right now, I think with how I, I think the guys that are safe, I mean, Trevor Lawrence is going to still have to throw the ball and you're going to want him for the future in Dynasty. And James Conner, I think he's in an OK situation still, especially given the fact that he's going to get all these carries. So these are guys who I wouldn't mind going and buying low on if, if somebody's like worried just about Jacksonville as a whole. Absolutely. All right. Next one. Injury to uh, David Montgomery. He looked, if they say it's not as uh, ACL or MCL tear, but he looked like he's in a lot of pain and I think he's going to be out for what, four or five weeks? Yeah, they're saying three to five weeks, I think was the, the timetable. Okay, so here's what I want to ask you. So I know that like, a lot of people are going to go out there and try to spend their fob on Damien Williams. How do you feel about Khalil Herbert? What was your, what was your pre-draft tape assessment on Khalil Herbert? Well, I... You don't, do you not remember us bringing Khalil Herbert up on Dynasty Underdog like, you know, four months ago or whatever in March, April, no, May, I don't, you know, whatever? I don't know what I had for dinner last night, bro. Yeah, yeah, no, I actually, I remember us bringing him up and, and back then and you, and you were, it was either you or Josh was like, yeah, I haven't really heard about this guy. And he was a guy who I, I actually really liked on tape. He was low center of gravity guy, a little bit bigger build. I thought he could kind of handle a workload lateral quickness not the fastest but he, he definitely looks a little bit faster through the hole you know he has some verse that I didn't quite expect in in the NFL in the short you know in, in the in the little uh opportunity that we've seen him get over this past week especially I think he had a nice touch so yeah he was a guy who I I liked I was surprised that he even other film analysts weren't really high on him and just the community wasn't the NFL wasn't uh but but he ended up here in a good position where you know, Tariq Cohen was injured and they didn't really have much behind Montgomery. They just had Damian Williams, who we all know is not some, you know, firecracker. He's not, he's not the best thing <laughs> in the world. So yeah, man, I, I like the opportunity here over the next few weeks. I think that he's probably free on waivers or whatever. He might be on waivers in dynasty league. Yeah. Grab him if you can. All right. Next one. Jacqueline Grant traded to Chicago for a sixth. I don't meh. Do you think this has anything to do with the David Montgomery injury? Like they wanted to get some help because maybe Herbert is going to be a lot more involved in the run game. They're going to have to kind of use, you know, they can get more out of their receivers now. I didn't think about that, but yeah, maybe, maybe that's what they're doing. I don't know. I don't know what to think about it. You know, usually when a uh, middling players trade for a middling pick, I'm like, ah, whatever. But yeah, I don't know who's returning their punts now, but <laughs> Jakeem Grant just muffed a punt for the uh, the Dolphins. So hopefully, hopefully that's not what they traded for him to do. <laughs> Excellent. David Carr, Derek Carr gets shook, says Joey Bosa. That's hilarious. Did you see this? So he No. So he said, we knew once we hit him a few times, he really gets shook, Bosa said. And you saw on Christian Covington's sack, he was pretty much curling into a ball before we even got back there. Great dude, great player, but we know once you get pressure on him, he kind of shuts down. Oh, that's man, massive. That's, that's rough. 
That's rough. Man, I mean, it's it's funny. I love it when, like, I, li- I really like it when players are, like, that candid yeah. about other players that are still active in the league, like, just talking shit. Like, but, yeah, that is rough, man. And I've, I've actually – I've always said that about Tom Brady. I always feel like whenever he takes, like, say, like, three sacks a game, like, he's off, right? Like, I, he doesn't like it, you know what I mean? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. It was funny. It's similar – Matt Judon's a similar kind of player. He's the linebacker for the Patriots. He said – over the past week, they asked him, like, how does it feel, you know, going up against Tom Brady next week or, or, or having Tom Brady come back to, to New England? And he's like, just another quarterback. This this to me is very interesting, though, because a player saying that honestly makes me think a little bit more maybe about playing the skill position players when they go up against a serious pass rush, right? Because if Derek Carr, if that's true, and we'll, we'll see, there's going to be, he'll, he'll go up against another really good pass rush, I'm sure, over the next week or two. I'm not, I don't have the matchups in my head, but does he get shook under that pressure like that? Is it, is it, does it affect the other players on the team? And if so, then you, you know, that's a matchup based thing. You're going to have to kind of work on based on your quarterback, not the actual skill position player. Yes. All right. Uh, oh, well, Hey, let's talk about it. Since you're here, how did you like the game? New England, Tampa Bay. How'd you feel? Was it just fun to watch as a fan? How are you feeling about Mac Jones? I mean, it was fantastic considering I thought we could get absolutely murdered in that game, but yeah. You know, the rain definitely helped. It kept the game, I think, a little more conservative in general on both sides of the ball. So uh, I, I think, you know, definitely there was a couple of balls at the beginning of the game that were dropped, certainly because of the weather on, on Tampa Bay side, which affected the game, no doubt. But it was great. I mean, I like, you know, to say no moral victories, of course, but yeah, how can I come away from that game not very excited about how Mac Jones looks? right? He looked really good. He was the better quarterback in the game. Not saying that he is the better quarterback. He just happened to have the better stats and play better in that game. Bottom line. That said, I'm really, really, really disappointed in Bill Bel- Bill Belichick's decision to go ahead and take that field goal instead of trying to go for that fourth and three with Mac Jones. You, in my opinion, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a no-brainer. There's absolutely no way you go for that field goal because one thing is, okay, it's a 56-yarder from Nick Folk, who, you know, long-time veteran, and we know a lot about him. What we know is he doesn't have a big leg. What we know is the last time he kicked a 56-yarder and made it was 10 years ago. And the only other three times he ever kicked a 56-yarder, he missed it, okay? Okay. And he had a bum, he had a bum uh, not, not his kicking leg, but his planting leg also on this night in the rain. it's mind numbing to even think that you would, you would make that decision when there's 56 seconds on the clock, two timeouts for Brady and he can come back down the field and just wipe you out. And you know, he'll do it too. It's not even like, there's no question about it. I think it. he just did it. He just (laughs) did it three times before in our defense though. That's how they got it. They they got ahead of us. So in that moment, Belichick has to give the rookie a chance to prove himself there, right? It's a learning moment. You either, you either, convert the fourth and three and you essentially beat Tom Brady, which is awesome. And you feel great. Right. Or you throw an interception, you throw a bad pass and you learn from it one way or another. You're, you're either going to lose that game on, on this decision or one way you fucking win this game because Tom Brady's coming down and, and winning it. Otherwise it, it, it just, honestly, it, it's, I, I can't even, I have no, no other words for it. It was, it really, really is disappointing because I think we deserve to win that game and, and Belichick kind of gave it up there. And I, I don't understand why. Fire. All right. I still love Belichick. It was just an awful coaching decision. I, I, there's no way around it. You can't. And there's a lot of I'm, I've been tweeting at, at Patriots writers and stuff who I listen to, like and and telling them, like, I don't know what you guys are sitting there talking about, acting like I literally heard someone say today, like, these are people I respect say. 
but it but it would have been really exciting watching Brady try to come back down. Do you want to watch Brady come back down and win it, or do you want to win it? Which one do you want? Because yeah, yeah it would have been real exciting to watch that. Oh, real, real exciting to watch him come beat your ass again. What <laughs> get the hell out of here, man? Like it just absolute defeatism and yeah. and this this ultra Tom Brady like love that that is everlasting that no matter what team he's on it doesn't matter i'm just you know what like whatever man all right that was fun yes love no i love that i love the passion <laughs> i love the passion oh man oh. i like can't even understand it was really frustrating that was that was that was tough i screamed at 11 o'clock at night whatever it was on the east coast here my wife is sleeping in the room as soon <laughs> as soon as it panned to nick folk on the field i was like what the fuck are you doing I couldn't even, I couldn't even understand. Like, anyway. All right, let's move on. All right, move on. And so I wanted to do, it's uh, four weeks, basically, what, a quarter of the season's past us. Let's, you know, right? That's close. 18, 16. Uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we we have one extra game, but (laughs) we'll call it. We'll call it. The the math checks out. It's pretty close. So (laughs) let's uh, let's check it on some rookies. And the first one I want to bring up, because it's topical and everybody has a feeling about it still, Kyle Pitts. Tied in 19 or 20 PPR points per game rank. Poopy. Not good. Poopy. Not good. <laughs> I, I, I got to say, like everything, everything besides the actual, how do I put this? Everything besides the actual production looks good, right? He's getting the targets. He's getting the snap share. He's getting the opportunity. He's got like, I think the most red zone targets out of any rookie besides Najee Harris is actually second on that list. But he's not actually doing anything with it. Like I, so I put out a poll or just a, a, you know, a tweet was like, "Hey, how are you feeling about your purchase?" And folks are in denial, bro. I'm telling you, like, folks they, are in denial. They feel great, yeah. Yeah, they're like, "Oh, in Dynasty, I'm totally happy." I'm like, "Really?" I mean, okay. I, I mean, don't know. I, I don't get, know. I, I get the tar- No, I mean, I get if you're not like completely upset with it. I and that's okay because. He, like you said, everything but the production looks good, right? He's getting the targets in the red zone. He's getting targets in general. Mm-hmm. He's he's not doing a ton with them. He's not scoring. But if anybody listened to this podcast, and we're not the only ones saying it, if anybody listened to anyone talking about dynasty tight ends and how long it takes them to actually break out, and fantasy tight ends in general, how long it takes them to actually break out, you know that 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 it it was a it was a it was a really long shot for him to return on the investment you were making of a fourth round, fifth round, third round pick, depending where you were. I mean, we saw that in Scott Fishbowl. We saw it in Dynasty Underdog Listener League. He was the first overall tight end off the board in a Dynasty startup. So, yeah, I, you know, I think you have to just kind of stick to the historical data when it comes to tight ends in general. Sure, there's a chance Kyle Pitts did the impossible or still does the impossible we're four games in we still have plenty of football to be played but you know for your for your return on invest on investment i think what we were looking at was somewhere around 600 ish yards and like six to seven touchdowns when we were looking at the numbers and yeah that's just not what rookie tight ends do and i think part of it might be that they're just not ready for the the competition level of the defense these guys are grown men who've been beating people up for years yes. really. And, and this is a kid who's coming in here and I, and he might end up being great. I honestly, but I think the thing you need to look at in general is right now he's, he's a buy candidate. You can buy him for lower than what, what he was purchased for in general. So you could have just waited and probably paid a price for him and got your guy now for a much cheaper cost than whatever, whatever it was originally. Much cheaper cost. Yes. 
All right. I want to just kind of go through some of the other rookies. Just uh, we'll start with like target. Show. Uh, all this information is provided by Dave Wright at FF underscore Spaceman on Twitter. He's got a sweet little Patreon. I think it's like a buck a month, two bucks a month. And he provides a bunch of weekly data, all the kinds of spreadsheets for us nerds in a very timely fashion. So I want to look at target share. So at the top is Jamar Chase, second place, Devontae Smith, and Jalen Waddle and Najee Harris as a fifth in target share out of all positions. Elijah Moore, Kyle Pitts, Rhonda Moore, Kenneth Gainwell, Terrace Marshall, Amon Ross St. Brown. So I think for me, what really stood out to me was Kenneth Gainwell and Elijah Moore. Those are two guys who are, they're getting a ton of passing down work, a lot of opportunity, but they haven't really produced at a high fantasy point production output, right? So, but these numbers are very, very promising. And I was not a guy who was in on Gamewell, but if you ever watch those Philly games, they're using them all the damn time. And he looks good too. He looks... Yeah, he does. He, he just looks quick. And you know, he's not an every down back, but that's not what Philly does. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's true. It's true. And, you know, I, I don't know what Sanders' future is going to be, but it looks like no matter what, they have a plan for Gamewell, which, I mean, I didn't really see... I didn't really see, you know, pre-draft, post-draft, any of that. But even starting week one, they they had him out there. And he wears number 14, which is really weird. But I think he's one of those guys that you could probably get low and actually get more production than if you were listening to me all summer. I think he's going to outperform what I ever intended for him. So just to see him that high on the list, it, it was kind of a shocker. The next one is Elijah Moore. <laughs> we'll love his profile. I think... Out of the the way I kind of profiled these rookies, I think he was like my, my third wide receiver, maybe fourth. I have to look, but for him to be sixth on this list is pretty insane. I know that the Jets have struggled, but watching that game last week, Zach Wilson seems to be kind of coming into his own. I don't know. Did you see that touchdown to Corey Davis? I don't think he's looked that bad. I think that he's on a bad team that's struggling, and he's taking chances, and he's a rookie. Like, but he looks like he can play. Yeah, going off of a. Spaceman database here, his catchable targets, Elijah Morris is 67%. Once that gets, once, yeah, I mean, that's lowest by the top, I don't know, 16 rookies here. Just looking at it, mm -hmm. that's pretty bad. So once I think if and when, if and when the offensive line, Zach Wilson, the play calling kind of just gets a little closer to average, I think you're going to see Elijah Moore explode. And I think he's a guy you get pretty cheap right now too. Yeah, he's definitely, I think he's flying under the radar a bit now. Some people might not be as happy with him thinking that he was going to kind of immediately come in here and produce. But, you know, you got you guys like Jameson Crowder came back who trusted Target, who's, a you know, a really good player still. So I think you're right about that for sure. Third on the team in routes, he's getting, and he's right behind Braxton Berrios, which he should probably take him over by the end of the season. So he, he's essentially, yeah, I mean, yeah, he 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 looks pretty good. Um, I am surprised to see him at six on that list, though. That's pretty crazy. Pretty crazy. So yeah, just I think those are some guys that kind of I saw just based on simple opportunity here, who hasn't produced as Elijah Moore and Gainwell. I think are kind of guys that maybe go out and get. I think they're gonna have a better season than I had predicted. I had predicted. So sure. Yeah, and Jamar Chase, man, what a what a beast. Woo! He yeah. really, he's really come on, hasn't he? It's uh, it's I been pretty so. impressive, and I, I, I like him, but I still think Judy can be a better receiver. I'm mean, Judy, Jesus. I think I, I still think Higgins can be a better receiver, I, and I think that him being injured right now 
has given everybody the hard eyes for Jamar Chase and completely has forgotten about Higgins and think that he's going to maybe because Boyd's doing great too. Boyd had just had like 11 targets, nine catches, 119 yards or something. So T Higgins, I think is a really, really big buy candidate right now. I think people have forgotten about him and you can really go get him. So that's just me. I love it. So that's just a quick little, I guess, rookie rundown for, for listeners. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Love it. Alrighty. So you want to hop into this, these slot targets? Yes, this is very interesting. Yes. Okay, so I was literally driving in the car and it hit me. I don't know what it was. What I thought in my head was, I wonder how much production comes from the slot for a lot of these guys, right? Like how how much of of their points or their yards or whatever it may be comes out of out of the slot? Because you know when you're when when a wide receiver or a running back or a tight end is lined up in the slot in many cases, they're up against a nickel cornerback, somebody who is, you know, likely a good matchup for them, right? They have a better matchup against a a smaller defender in those cases or a linebacker, a slower defender, right? Like in these scenarios, you know that they have an advantage, right? So it's interesting to me to, to be able to identify, you know, the first of those guys who get a lot of those opportunities and kind of what they're doing there. Right. So I just pulled this, uh, where did I pull it from? I actually pulled it from player profiler because I didn't see the slot rate stuff in either Dave Wright's or in Peter Howard's. I was surprised to find that, but that's weird because it, it, it comes right from there, but maybe they don't, allowed, <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe they're not allowed to use player profiler, whatever. So that's where I pulled it from. And I did a couple calculations myself too, because I wanted to see the fantasy point percentage, like the percentage of their fantasy points that came out of the slot versus their total fantasy points, right? Yes. We'll talk about that as well. So I'm just going to kind of try to get through this. I apologize for the long-windedness. Let's look at the slot rate first. Let's, let's talk about that. So what I did was I sorted slot rate just to see, you know, greatest to least. And I highlighted for us the top 15 here, and then a couple other ones that were above 50%. So we have players above 50% slot rate, and then players that were in the top 15, and those are all above 60%. So just looking at the top couple guys, and also this 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 has a threshold on the target. So you have to have at least 12 targets through four games to be on this list. So it does take out some of those guys who would be up here for ridic- ridiculous reasons. I think we still have a couple, but it does filter out most of them. So at the top here, we have Chester Rogers, okay, which is crazy, 83% slot rate. Cole Beasley, LaVisca Chenault, Adam Humphreys, Zach Pascal, Amon Ross St. Brown, all above 70% slot rates. Okay. So those guys live in the slot. Like that is, that's home for them. All right. Under 70, we got Muhammad Snoo, Braxton Berrios, Juju Smith Schuster, Rondale Moore, Tyler Boyd, Terrace Marshall, Jalen Waddell, Sterling Shepard, and Quez Watkins. That's the top 15. Now, just some highlights from the others above 50% Cooper Cup, Christian Kirk, Jacoby Myers. Chris Godwin, Hunter Renfro, and a KJ Osborne. Before we get moving further there, is there anything that sticks out to you, Uriah? Chester Rogers, just uh, his usage so far this year. You know, he's a guy that like literally nobody's talking about, but he's getting work. So, you know, he's definitely one of those guys that you could have, I think, slated for like a flex spot. Like he's been getting used quite a bit. I'd have to look it up, but like just watching the red zone, it's like Chester Rogers catch, Chester Rogers catch. I'm like, holy shit, like what's going on here? Cole Beasley, obviously, we know he lives there. LaVisca Chenault really had a blow-up game last week because DJ Chark went out. I think he's actually on IR now. Maybe they're actually going to use LaVisca 
properly, yeah, but DJ Shark is on IR, correct? God knows what they're going to do with that team. Adam Humphreys, <laughs> I love. Um, Timmy Brown, I know that Curtis Samuel came back, so maybe that'll change. But a lot of these guys that are playing from the slot are kind of the type of guys that I envision playing from the slot. And Amon Rossing Brown was a beast in college from the slot, so I'm not surprised at all. Yeah, so I'm interested to get in his actual production in a second. Amon Rossing Brown, he's one that stood out in the, in the next phase of this conversation. I will say Chester Rogers averaging 8.3 fantasy points per game, which, like you said, he can get into the flex spot for you, right? Like if you need somebody, he's there and he's probably like free in 90% of the leagues that you're in. So Absolutely. Definitely that Hunter Renfro. I mean, watching kind of his production over the last couple weeks, knowing that he's above 50% kind of makes sense. I mean, that's just kind of the player he is, but it, you know, it just confirms what, you know, same with Tyler Boyd. He's in the top 15 there, 64% Terrace Marshall living in the slot. Kind of interesting. Cause I think he can play all over the place. He's a bigger body, right? Isn't he like six two or something like that? Yeah, so I think he can play on the outside a little bit, but they got him. They got him in there, and I guess it's more because they have DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson, so it might be circumstantial. Jacoby Myers above fifty percent. Cooper Cup, that one is really, really, really interesting. So let's let's take it one step further here, and let's look at the slot fantasy points, right? So we just talked about top fifteen in slot fantasy. Or sorry, we just talked slot rate. Now let's talk slot fantasy points, and I just picked out the top ten here, I highlighted for us, and no, I didn't. Sorry, it's not the top ten. <laughs> what I picked, what I picked out here was actually anything above 30%. So, okay. or not 30%, anything above 30 points. So what we're looking at here is players who have above 30 points coming only out of the slot, right? Mm -hmm. Coming from the top down. All right. 48.6 points for Cooper cup out of the slot. Tyreek Hill, 48.5 out of the slot, basically right. Oof. One in the same, right? Wow. Chris Godwin, 39.2 fantasy points out of the slot then cole beasley he's up there too actually 38 uh then christian kirk 38 kj osborne 36 hunter remfro 35 rondell moore 35 okay so i'm not gonna do the whole thing but so then what i wanted to look at was i wanted to look at it, it hit me that basically tyreek hill and cooper cup the amount of fantasy points they have coming out of the slot was really high i was like wait how many fantasy points do they have on the season right like they have 48 fantasy points out of the slot. So each of them has about 100 fantasy points on the season, right? Cooper Cup 102 and Tyreek Hill 100. So then what I did for the for all these players that I just mentioned was I listed out their total fantasy points and I calculated how many fantasy points essentially were not out of the slot, right? And then what I did was just calculate the fantasy point slot percentage. So how what percentage of your fantasy points are coming out of the slot? And for Cooper Cup, it's 47.37. For Tyree Kill is 48.35. So just about half of their points are coming out of, out of the slot. They are taking advantage of these crazy matchups with elite, elite talent at the wide receiver position where you, you know, you would usually get Cooper cup on a number one corner, but right now you're getting him on a linebacker or on, yeah. you know, the third string corner and you're just wiping them clean. It's, it's, and it's the same thing with Tyree Kill. I mean, you see him all of a sudden he's wide open and there's nobody on him. You wonder why, right? Well, this is why. These, those are the really good players, and, and we can talk about them more in a second. But what I wanted to kind of highlight was, let's look at a guy like you were talking about, right? I'm going to just go with Amon Ross St. Brown, right? I'm going down out of this list a little bit. I'm looking at a guy like Amon Ross St. Brown, who has a 70% slot rate. So he lives in the slot, but he only has 12.1 fantasy points out of the slot total, right? That, like, that's concerning. The fact that this guy is supposed to, you know, dominate in this position, right? 
He's obviously not the number one receiver on his team. He has TJ Hawkins there. He's all these guys and he's not performing well. So these are some kind of things I think you can glean from this as well as like, look at this and think like, all right, this guy may not be who we thought he was, or he really needs to improve in this aspect because I think that's who he is. I don't know if he can play anywhere else, right? Like, I'm not sure he's an outside guy. So that was one concerning thing. And then another one, if you go up the list to a guy we're much more familiar with, Juju Smith-Schuster, who has a similar slot rate, 66%, he only has 17.1 fantasy points out of the slot. And now I know we all love that that big year he had after or with Antonio Brown right after Antonio Brown was there, but man, there, there's something going on there for sure. Cause you know, with, with a guy like Roethlisberger, you'd think that he'd be hitting these short targets and something's going on there with Juju. Yeah. It kind of goes back to, I think something that we looked at a couple of weeks ago with teams targets to certain positions. And I know that we looked at Detroit and Detroit was super high on the running back position, the target percentage and the tight end position. There wasn't a whole lot of targets to the wide receivers in general. So you have like DeAndre Swift and Jamal Williams and TJ Hawkinson are taking those targets away from a guy like Amon Ra. Because, I mean, they're just better. I mean, he's a rookie. What are you going to do? And then, obviously... That's a good point. point. Obviously, Pittsburgh has a Ben Roethlisberger problem. And, (laughs) and, I mean, really, you have Najee. So, that's just, you know, it's it's not... It's concerning. It is concerning. They, They should be producing more based on all these other numbers and all these other players who are producing out of the slot because they are facing that lesser cornerback but they, they, I think they have some uh, team issues there. This is this is fascinating stuff. Like, hopefully, we could share this with the listeners and they can take a look at it themselves. Yes, definitely, definitely can share this with the listeners. I will. We will tweet it out from our account for sure. We'll clean it up a little bit and tweet it out from the account. Chester Rogers. I just have to say, he. Did you notice he has a hundred percent of his fantasy points out of the slot? Thirty-three point three points, all that's of them. That's insane. Out of the slot, so. This guy's 83% slot percentage, and that's where he makes all of his money, right? That's it. <laughs> that's it. So if you see if you see Chester Rogers in the slot, it's almost a guarantee he's going to get points, to be honest yep. with you. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it, when you're watching Red Zone, just hope for that if you got him on your team. The only I'm only going to mention three others. Sorry, I know we're going on, on this. No, but it's I, good. I, the only reason I want to mention them is because they're above 80% in the fantasy point uh, slot percentage, and that is Rondell Moore which is pretty cool. And it makes sense that I thought that's cool because also this, this is stuff that confirms your, your, not your bias, but confirms your beliefs sometimes. Right. So we have Rondell Moore, we have KJ Osborne, which I thought was kind of interesting and also makes sense. Right. Cause there's other two other really good guys on that team. It's like, how is he making his points? Mm, kind of know how, and then uh, Cole Beasley, right also above 80%. And that's just who Cole Beasley is. And the stats don't lie. Excellent. Love it. Hey, I want to go back to Cole Beasley real quick. Remember how we were going over our uh, Scott Fishbowl rosters and you're like, why did you draft him? Hey, he's having a pretty good season again, isn't he? He is. He's having a great season. Yeah, he is. He still doesn't have COVID. He is? Imagine that. <laughs> well done. Well done. Uh, I'll oh always stick God. up for him. I'll always stick up for That's him. That's hilarious, dude. Oh, man. The, there's also some other cool stuff highlighted on here. Um, you know what I'll do? I'll make a key. And I'll, I'll keep like the stuff highlighted. I'll make a key of what it is so that it makes sense and people can actually see what like we're talking about and then they can fuck with it themselves. So awesome. Thank you for letting me ramble on. No, it's good. I love that stuff. Hopefully listeners do too. I think there's one like actionable thing that like kind of has been a roster building technique that I've used in the past. And maybe it's why I end up with all these like middling wide receivers, but I tend to like towards the end of my draft, 
if I'm either going to grab like, you know, running back, uh, backup running back or something like that, like I look specifically for slot receivers for like my last few wide receivers. Cause those guys, they just, when they're on the field, they produce. They're, they're not like, you know, huge a dot guys. They're not scoring the touchdowns, but in PPR, they're going to go out there and rattle off, you know, five catches for 54 yards and that's a 10 point game. So they're just really safe players to have on your team. Yeah. Look at Jalen Waddle, man. Even as a rookie, he lives in the slot because of the, the other receivers on the team and it's helping him because he's up against lesser defenders and he's getting 12 targets. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, it was 12 targets, 10 catches. And if it's only for like 50 35 yards, yards. Yeah, it doesn't matter. 50 yards, but again, it's a 10, 12, 15 point game in, uh, in, in PPR. So, you know, and that's how Jarvis Landry has been relevant his whole entire career. Yep. You know, seven catches, 60 yards, no touchdown. Like, you don't get a zero. So, and that's just something I've always done. But I, I guess I end up with a bunch of those guys on my team. So, I got to fix that still. I don't know. You're happy if you have Tyler Boyd right now? Yes, yes. All right, man. So, let's, let's hit on some trades or non-trades, at least. I have a non-trade. We talked about it briefly earlier. But uh, one of the guys in console wars, he must be doing pretty good. I didn't really look at where he's at. But he must be winning. And he's like, hey, man, I got a couple injured players. I just need wide receivers who are putting up points and I'm willing to deal injured Jerry Judy and injured acres. I'm not interested at all in acres. I've said it before. Like I'm out. I sold him right away. And maybe he comes back and he's great, but I, whatever. I don't think so, but I do want Judy. I want Judy on my team. So I sent Crowder cause he had a great game and he came back and hopefully, you know, I could leverage that a little bit. And then I sent Crowder and Galladay in a third for Judy. He woke up after his slumber there in Australia and he rejected it. <laughs> but uh, do you think I was way too low on that? How, how far off do you think I was uh, considering his situation? He's trying to get points and these guys are getting your points. Uh, you're probably like another Crowder away. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. So yeah, I think it's, I think it's not that bad or, or like maybe, I mean, he's not interested in the pick. So I don't even think a second round pick would have done it, but Galladay, man, it's crazy how how far Galladay's fallen. He's a he's a first uh, he's a you know wide receiver one should be on on a team, and he's not desirable at all. That that should be able to get it done at wide receiver one plus a couple assets. But I get it. I totally get it from his perspective. I wouldn't want Galladay either. You know, there, there's a reason you're trying to move him. What if I sent? I don't want to do this, but what if I sent Pittman and Galladay for Judy? You think you'd do that? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think that gets it done, and I th- I would do that. By the way, I I don't like you for it because this because the trade I'm going to talk about next is is also the trade I sent to him as well. Okay, <laughs> which was uh, we'll see who's quicker. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, well, I mean, he didn't like mine either. It was Cam Akers, Jerry Judy, and a 2022 first for Devonta Adams. Right, he's obviously trying to win now, and at this point, I'd be playing for the future. Yeah, I can see how that works for both of you. Did you so? Did you send it to him and he rejected or you just haven't done it yet? No, 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 no. We were just talking about this and I'm not, I'm not in acres, dude. Like I don't want him. So this yeah, was just, he was trying to, he's trying to get rid of these two injured guys and get points back on his team, which is totally fair. Like I get it, but I'm not going to give you Devonta Adams for nothing. Like I could literally get a couple first and a player for him if I wanted. He's, he's a stud, you know, Yeah. and going to continue to be this year and he could win him a championship. So if he wants a championship, feel free to come back to me with an offer. But that said, I do want to really quickly talk about acres because I think a lot of people saw CJ Uzama do what he did. And he came back from an Achilles tear and they're like, Oh, 
Totally, totally makes me feel confident about Acres coming back. Okay, these guys play two different positions. They're two totally different guys. They, you're, you're cutting and and really planting your feet in a co- totally different way when you're running back. Like that's that's not any kind of comparison they even want to entertain. Yeah. Okay. Secondly, this person also told me that Acres holds his value still, even though he's injured. And I and I don't not quite true. and I don't quite understand why that's true. Like why 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 and and why is Devonta Davanta Adams, who's a healthy stud right now, not have triple the value of that? You know what I mean? So yeah. I, that's kind of where it all fell apart. And I think he's just gonna try to move on. And I'm fine with moving on too. But maybe you have something for him that might work. Yeah. I think I might send him that. I do like Pittman, <laughs> but hey, whatever. I'd rather have Judy. I don't think Pittman's the number one, man. And I think Judy is a stud. Yeah, yeah. Send it before this episode goes out. I know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so you have a Debbie trade here. Oh, yeah. I just want to talk about this really quick. So I'm not even going to pull any punches. This is MG and, and me. He sent this to me in the middle of the night, hoping that I would wake up and press except with sleepy eyes. And I, I think it's an interesting trade. Now, I pretty sure I don't want to do it, but I'm, I'm interested in your thoughts on it. You're the first person I've asked about this. So it's a big one. It has a lot of players in it and, or a lot of assets in it and a lot of players. Uh, so stick with me here. All right. So MG would be giving up and MG, sorry, anybody who hasn't listened before MG is the uh, founder of dynasty football factory. So guys got some fucking knowledge and, uh, and he's a fun guy. So check this out. He's trying to send me Desmond Ritter, 2022 quarterback, Chuba Hubbard, Christian McCaffrey, uh, Ja'Cory Brooks, 2024 wide receiver, Michael Pittman, Eric Gilbert, ty- a good tight end prospect, and Jaquil Billingsley, a 2022 tight end prospect. For Chris Carson, Kylan Hill, C.D. Lamb, Jalen Waddle, and three Debbie firsts next year. Now, obviously, the Debbie firsts are depleted. So that, that, that should be stated, but I think they're still pretty valuable, especially having three of them. You kind of get to pick and choose your Debbies at that point. Now, this also on my side includes some studs in C.D. Lamb and Jalen Waddle, who I like, Chris Carson, who's, a, who's obviously a win-now piece. So he's trying to get some points now and play for the future. I'm not in any position to win, so I personally think there's no way I would take this trade. I was just going to say, without knowing your team exactly, if you have three Debbie firsts, then you probably have a plan for the future. This this doesn't make any sense why you would do this. Why would you give away Waddle Lamb? I mean, Chris Carson, I mean, if you see if he wants Chris Carson and try to work something out, but I, I'm not trying to give away my first and CD and Waddle if you're not winning this year, right? Dude, I like the way you think about that because I honestly, I didn't see really any opportunity here, but seeing that saying like, oh, maybe you can give him a win now piece and get something back for it since you're playing for the future might be the smart move. And that, that might be the way I approach it. Yeah. I mean, see if he'll give you Chris Carson and, you know, grab a couple of his Debbies, see what happens. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay. Maybe I'll approach it that way for sure. Uh, it's, it's crazy trade. Like I think if you're really high on Michael Pittman, you may, and, and you're in a position to kind of like maybe make some moves to win. This might do it for you, but yeah, man, uh, I, I'm out. I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah. Thank you for helping me through that one. Cause that honestly was kind of, it was hard for me to process. That's all good, man. A lot of pieces, but just looking at what you have that he's trying to get from you, it seems like you have a plan for the future. So I wouldn't, uh, this is just not a move that I'd make because that's a bunch of Debbie players on his side that you don't know for sure if any of those guys are going to pan out. I mean, we just don't. 
I like I like Ritter, uh, but who knows? Yeah, but he's not even performing very well, so his value is dropping. In those three firsts, I'd rather have the unknown value of that heading into the season where I can sell those there or I can use them if I want, right? Absolutely. So yeah, but speaking of Devi, we got to give ourselves a pat on the back, man. We the moves I think we've made in Devi now they've they've definitely they've definitely hindered us a bit at the quarterback position, and we have some work to do there. But we've scored over two hundred points now, and getting by getting rid of those quarterbacks which weren't scoring us points for players that will. Cooper yeah. Cup, Tyreek Hill. We have AJ Brown on the bench who didn't even play, and we scored two hundred points. We only started one quarterback. One quarterback and did that. We had Zeke. We have Tony Pollard. We have another receiver who I'm not thinking of. That's really good. So Jamison Crowder. Yeah, I, I don't Crowder. know, but I'm, yeah. I, honestly, we have Mike Kosicki who's he's turning it around a little bit here. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm I'm feeling it, dude. I think we I think we can play for next year. I think we have something here. We're getting there. We're getting there. Yeah, and Trey Lance. He looked like okay. He put up over twenty fantasy points in just one half. So in a, in a bad game, yeah, he didn't look great. Yeah, we have him. So mm-hmm. yeah, I definitely give ourselves a pat on the back for that. So yeah, hell yeah. Man. Anything else you want to talk about? No, man. I think that's good for this week, dude. I'm Miss Josh. Yeah, big shout out, Josh. Love you, man. Shout out to Josh. Yeah. Yep. We'll push forward next week. We have a good guest. It's D Mike Media on on Twitter at D M I C Media on. Twitter. He actually has some really cool stats. I want to talk to him about. He's created some kind of stats and he looks at everything on like a weekly as he looks at fantasy football as like a weekly game. So, you know, like season long projections, I don't think really do much for him. And so he he has an interesting, interesting perspective on it. So I think we can really glean a lot from him next week and and it'll break up uh you know the monotonous of it a little bit for you guys and, and you don't have to hear me spit 30 minutes about some slot rates. <laughs> yeah, that'd be cool, man. Awesome. All right. So go ahead and give us a follow on Twitter at Dynasty Underdog. Follow me at Josh DRIFF. Follow Billy and Josh's pod, Any Given Pod, and listen to it because it's awesome. Follow Billy at Willie Beeman DFF and Josh at Josh Goldberg AGP. And you guys have a really good night. <laughs>